The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Support for this show is brought to you by Tarcher Peregrine, publisher of Life Lessons. The New Book of Affirmations by Julia Cameron, the best-selling author of The Artist's Way. Buy life lessons wherever books are sold. From Spirituality and Health magazine, this is Essential Conversations. Our guests today are Donna Markova and Angie MacArthur, authors of the forthcoming book, Reconcilable Differences, Connecting in a Disconnected World. Donna Markova is the CEO Emeritus of Professional Thinking Partners, an organization that teaches collaborative thinking to CEOs and senior executives around the world, and co-author of the international bestseller, Random Acts of Kindness. Angie MacArthur is the current CEO of Professional Thinking Partners and a founder of the World Wide Women's Web, a network formed to develop women in corporate leadership roles. A review of their book, Reconcilable Differences, appears in the September-October issue of Spirituality Magazine. Donna Markova and Angie MacArthur, welcome to Essential Conversations. Thank you. It's a delight. All right. So I am going to do my best to make sure people know who they're hearing. Uh, You have a previous book that you wrote together, and I should let people know that uh, you are mother-in-law and daughter Donna is the mother-in-law, Angie is the daughter, in, um, uh, daughter-in-law, and you co-wrote a previous book called Collaborative Intelligence, Thinking with People Who Think Differently. And in the book, you develop this notion of mind patterns and thinking talents. And if I have it right, in the first book, you were focused mostly on business and business clients, people you work with in that setting. And this book, it focuses primarily on interpersonal family and friendship dynamics. It's a more personal book. So can you just give us, and I realize it's a lot of material and I don't want you to dumb it down, but if you can give us some sense of what mind patterns and thinking talents are. Donna, you want to take that? I'll do my best to do a haiku version. Yeah, right. Um, One of the the greatest things as a species that we bring to the rest of the world is our ability to think together. And one of the greatest dangers we bring is our inability to think with those who think differently. So what mind patterns are about is understanding and discovering the different ways that someone you care about and you process information. Uh, 
it sounds more difficult than it is. You have two different musical instruments, for instance. You have a violin and a piano. They both produce music in the same way as Angie and I both think, but the way you tune the instrument and the notes and the way you play them is quite different. In this case, Angie uh, learns from experience first. She sees images three-dimensionally, and her brain naturally generates questions. I, on the other hand, my brain first organizes things visually. I love visual details. Um, next, my brain, as it metabolizes information, it begins to hear stories. And last, I, my kinesthetic, I feel. <laughs> but I feel in very subtle ways. I feel the whole of things. So our brain patterns are very different. And when we began um, to work together and then when we began to write together, in fact, um, these differences became a problem because we didn't understand at the time how to bridge the gap between us. And we were, in fact, then a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. Over the years that we've been working together, we're much more a mother in love and a daughter in love. I introduced Angie as my daughter in love, not my daughter-in-law. Because love has drawn us to stop and learn from the other and learn which, where our strengths are, where our challenges are, where our blind spots are. So that's the most brief version a 75-year-old woman can do of work that she's been digging into for over 50 years, 55 years. Angie, would you share about thinking talents in a, in a haiku version? Well, sure. And I just wanted to add on in terms of uh, mind patterns and the focus that we, the difference of how we focus the mind patterns and how to use it day to day in collaborative intelligence is really understanding this dynamic for teams, because we often pay attention to the content in meetings, but we don't pay attention to how we're communicating. And also in, so in reconcilable differences, this is where we take it really helping people to understand in those one-on-one -on -one very important relationships to them, whether that's a business partner, a lifelong partner, a child, is really paying attention to how are you communicating. And as Donna pointed out, we do process information very differently. And it's very typical in these relationships to pay attention again to the content, but not focus on and really understand how you're communicating. And so the mind pattern section of this book helps you explore that, explore first your own mind, and then also familiarize yourself with some of the characteristics, perhaps, of those that are really important to you. So um, that's sort of the relevancy in terms of uh, how, we, how we framed it in Reconcilable Differences is really around communication. Um, and the, the work of thinking talents is like the software of your brain. That's like running Excel or Photoshop. We all have these natural talents that are innate to us and when we can identify them use them create a a uh, a way in which we get to operate from those thinking talents it not only leads to a more 
resonance within our own uh, minds, but also as we interact with those uh, close to us. And this, in, in Reconcilable Differences, this really helps us understand one another at a deeper level. If I understand Donna's thinking talents or my husband's or other people that work closely with me, I have a greater depth and not only for you know what brings out their best, but also perhaps where they may have biases and also it discloses what my biases are. There's a lot of ways in which we each are talented, but there's also specific ways in which we maybe even disregard other people's talents. Um, for example, one of my thinking talents is around fixing things. I love fixing things. That can be something physical, like a broken clock. <laughs> it can also be people. I love, I love addressing what the challenges are, what the problems are, and fixing things. And without knowing that, um, you know, Donna may be working with me, and she may feel fixed all the time. But in in so these talents, what they do is they they help us uh, create. And, you know, again, a narrative, a bridge to one another instead of becoming triggers um, for one another. Did you develop this uh, together? I, I guess really what I want to know is, did you know this material before you became mother in love and daughter in love? Or were you at each other's throats and figured it out from there? <laughs> oh, what a great question. This is Donna. Um The answer is both of those things are true. So I began um, developing this material. I was trained as a cognitive neuroscientist. And what was the most interesting to me, when the brain, um, when you use your thinking talents as an example of what Angie was talking about, in fact, it energizes your brain. The more you think in that particular way, the more Angie analyzes um, something, for instance, or the more I tell a story... I light up, literally. There's more energy in my brain. When I'm trying to analyze something, my brain gets depleted. And so I feel burnt out as literally I get darker and have less energy. Well, when we began, we didn't really understand the full mechanisms. I understood the full mechanisms of mind patterns because I've been working on that for 55 years. And I worked on it with kids and I worked on it with CEOs and senior level executives. But when we started working together, Angie and I, Angie and her husband, who's my son, um, did videotapes of people asking them about literally what lights them up. And they would, and you could see it happening on the videotape. And then I came across the research of the um, Gallup organization. And in that research, they began to talk about, and also a man named Ned Herman of the Herman Brain Dominance Institute. And they began to talk about um, that people seem to have particular gifts, ways of thinking that they bring to the rest of us. And that we all have specific blind spots or ways of thinking that just turn us off, that deplete us, and ways of thinking that energizes us. So that material was really interesting to the two of us. Um, And yes, it's true that when we began, you know, uh, there were a lot of places, so many places, when we were working together with teams and senior leaders and individuals, where it became clear that Angie needed to lean forward because there was a particular 
resonance and rapport she had with the person, and they began talking about what I thought were all these boring things, these analytic details, and I just wanted to talk about a story, and they would kind of look at me with, you know, deer in the headlights, well, wait a minute, let's get back to the numbers, shall we? So it saved, of course, saved isn't the right word, it deepened our relationship, and we began to each notice not who was right or who was wrong, but what effect we were having on each other. I would mm. much rather be effective than be right or wrong, because right or wrong oftentimes only gets me isolated. But in order to be effective, I have to notice what effect I'm having on someone else. And that has been the, the rope in the snowstorm, so to speak, that's pulled us through um, these past however many years it is. Enough about the two of you. Let's talk about me. So (laughs) (laughs) I have a copy of the book and I did the exercise to determine my communication style. So I am, and I don't want to use this as an example, not simply as free counseling, but I'll take that too. So I'm going to keep this brief, but to sort of give our listeners maybe a, a better, a deeper understanding of what we're talking about. I am what... Uh, the book calls an AVK, an audio visual kinesthetic person. And I know there's more to the book than this, but let's just focus on on one thing so we can get a sense of it. I'll I'll be the guinea pig. So so when you run into an AVK, which is me, what does that mean? <laughs> well, let me just this is Donna. Let me add one piece, and then Angie, please uh, chime in. So the the deliciousness of the question you just asked is, one, there is no such thing as an AVK person. So we worked meticulously on this book and the last one to shift whenever possible from nouns, which are solid objects, to verbs. So it's more effective to think of the pattern your brain uses to process information is auditory first, visual second, kinesthetic third. So if you will grant me that shift, then I can respond a little more directly. Well, well, not, not only will I grant you that shift, but that happens to be central to much of my, my writing and my thinking and my theology. There are no nouns in the universe, only, only happenings, only verbs. So, yeah, I'm right, I'm right there with you. Great. Yes. yes. <laughs> if you could, I would be shaking these big waving things. I've been trying to get that across for, uh, since I started with this work. It's crucial to me. We spent a lot of time in the book eliminating the word relationship, and the editor kept putting it back in, and I kept taking it out. Because to me, I want to be effective, which means I have to continually come back to noticing how I'm relating to another person. Mm. Given that you gave me already your, your mind pattern, which I think every child should know the mind pattern that they use, at least when they go through puberty and be curious until then. Um, the first thing I would do um, in, in relating to you is to notice that um, I would communicate in your language. If, if I went to France, I would begin as much as I could to speak French. So I would be much more careful with you to communicate with precise words. Um, that's what comes first. It's where the brain organizes and loves precision. And in your case, it would be auditory. 
The second thing is that your mind loves to see details and see the whole of things because it's second. It's like the bridge from, let's call it your conscious mind to your unconscious mind. And um, so the precision of words is important to you, but also having a sense of being able to integrate the big picture and visual details and to be able to hold them both. And frequently when someone's pattern is that like a cello, I think of that instrument like if you were a musical instrument, I would think of you like a cello. Um, the, The mind is constantly wanting to integrate what seems to be very different things and hold them both. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Lastly would be kinesthetic. And what that means when I say last is it's not last at all. It's that the sense of feeling the whole of something, um, not the parts, but getting a feeling for it and getting the feeling for another person. And as I was relating to you, I'd be very full of awareness about how I touched you. And if we were going to have a, a, a deep and meaningful conversation, I would probably want to go for a walk. But if we were just going to talk in kind of pigeon shit, then we'd probably sit still. Um, so, and you'd probably be more comfortable as in usual if we were sitting still. But when we were walking, it would be easier for your brain to rest and receive my words, for instance. So that's, I'm so that's really say, interesting. Now, you couldn't, well, I'm asking, I shouldn't, I have no idea. Could you read that from me or did you have to know I was, in, I mean, not over the, the, the radio waves here, but if we were face to face, are there physical tells or, or just listening to me talk, you could pick it up? Or do people, do, do you have to know from the, the, the process in the book what a person is? It's such a great question. Um, in the same way as if you listen to music, you can, at first it's just kind of music. But then as you listen a little more deeply, you can begin to discern the violin. And you listen even more deeply than that, maybe you'll know whether it's a Stradivarius or a Mozart, whatever. So when, in terms of you, anyone who uses that pattern has the characteristics that I just mentioned to you. Okay, really interesting. I I appreciate your, I mean, you've never seen seen me, uh, Donna, but I look like a cello. <laughs> I, I sort of have that same wide shape there. That. Well, the, the tell also is that I read your column every single month. And if you're a, tele, a cello, you're a cello that plays Mozart. And, uh, you well, know. thank you. <laughs> so, 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 Angie, uh, let, me, let me pick up on something that, that Donna said uh, about children. It's helpful for kids to know uh, their uh, mind patterns and thinking talents from puberty. So, Mm. and and, I mean, I I don't want to sound ageist, but, but my guess is you have, you have, you're closer to little, to little kids 
than than Dawn is. So you may be just one I have earned every year. So you. <laughs> so so, have you done this with your kids? I mean, do you have kids? Have you done it with kids? I I'm I I'm a super aunt. I have um, uh, many many uh, nieces and nephews, and uh, my husband David and I. For seven years, um, started a company called SmartWired, which was using all of these same uh, methodologies, mind patterns, and thinking talents with kids. And actually, um, the work was translated into 60 languages around the world. So we have worked extensively with kids. And this is also where Donna's work began back in Harlem in the 1960s. And so, yes. um, And I guess, uh, so is your question around why puberty or... No, no, my Actually, I was just uh, because it seems to me this would be so helpful for parents and grandparents uh, to know about their children and grandchildren. Exactly. Yes. And um, and so there are some materials. In fact, there's um, a couple of other books that Donna has written. And then we've we've written together Smart Parenting Revolution. Um, I am smart and those are available. But, you know, it's what's also fascinating is 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 how we as you know parents or aunts or grandparents, knowing our mind pattern helps us then bridge to those kids, especially as they move into those teenage awkward years where hormones are flying. And, you know, it's hard to communicate no matter who you are. So, you know, for example, let's take you, um, for instance, a person who uses the AVK pattern. So it would be very natural for you to come with a very, you know, let's say you you had a challenge with a child. It may be very natural for you to use a lot of energy with your voice to project, you know, to come at words first and then maybe show them everything that that that, you know, you're upset about. Um, and last would be sort of that, that kinesthetic, um, you know, experience with them. For me as a parent or an aunt, um, I'm the opposite. I, uh, for me, I would, I would use, you would, my anger or or how I was triggered would show physically first, not meaning I would never like hurt someone physically, but my body language would say it all. And it would be very hard for me to express myself to um, a teenager or child uh, with words right away. My words would come last. So my body language would come first. It would be easier for me to write a note and say, you know, hey, next time you, uh, you know, if you, if you want to treat me well, do this. <laughs> um, so we, and, and, and so both, you know, knowing yourself will help you be more effective, but then also, you know, paying attention to that child because we, we expect them to be just like us or to communicate in ways that are very natural to us. And I can't tell you the number of parents or grandparents that have come to us and said, you know, I just never thought about writing my child a note or I never thought about doing homework with my child while we ride bikes together you know one of our our, um, actually um, uh, families was in the military overseas and that's what he did his child was really struggling with math he rode from stoplight to stoplight and gave his child who used the similar mind pattern to me so kinesthetic first then visual then auditory and he gave him a math problem at one stoplight and then the child would have the answer at the next. Before wow. this, they were totally disconnecting. So we're not changing anything except how we're communicating to one another. 
So no, this material really is really, yeah, it really does open up bridges. You know, another example with a child is is actually my own niece. Um, uh, you know, amazing creative mind and was really struggling with learning math concepts in grade one, just couldn't wrap her head around it. We got her blocks. And instead of looking at numbers on paper, she started to move blocks. One block plus one block equals two blocks. And that moving of the blocks and seeing it in action together gave her the foundation for arithmetic. And now wow. she's, you know, doing really well. So these are all, um, you know, uh, you know, ways in which we can, you know, a have self awareness and and then b help that child also have awareness. So ultimately, they walk away from any learning experience saying, you know, I know how I learn, and this is what helps me learn instead of feeling, you know, stupid. That's, uh, you know, what we don't want is anyone to be shut down because they feel like they can't learn. Yeah. And I, and I imagine people have to be aware of their, their own predilections. I'm just thinking as a person who's uh, auditory first language is everything to me. My 19 month yes. old grandson, uh, you know, he's got a pretty good vocabulary, but it wasn't until <laughs> he started actually speaking that I realized he was alive, you know, it was yeah. like, he was alive, <laughs> like Frankenstein, because he could, he could talk to me. So Bless your to, to take new, a new piece of learning and transfer it to what must, must have been uh, difficult for you. Um, unfortunately, what I have observed in schools, um, because I used to consult to schools and I started as a classroom teacher, is when there was a teacher whose mind used the AVK pattern, uh, we, the teacher assumed, all teachers tend to assume this, that all children use the same pattern that they do. Sure. And as someone that used that pattern, when a child didn't get it, when the child couldn't verbally quickly answer her questions, she labeled the child as having a learning disability, when in right. fact it was a teaching disability. It was right. my job as a teacher to be able to translate into the language of every child that I was with, the same way as an orchestra conductor has to be able to translate music that's on score to a violin and a flute and doesn't ask a violin to make music by blowing on it. <laughs> right. You know, so, so uh, Donna and Angie, we are just about out of time. I, I don't even know if we can get into this. Well, we, we, to get into this questions, take more time than we have, but I want to introduce it because I, I want the listener to know that there's this part of the book that was absolutely, uh, it's just unusual. And that was the notion of trust. I mean, I get learning styles are different and all the things, you know, communication is different. The way we understand is different, but the way we experience and and demonstrate trust is different. Can you just talk about that? Uh, you know, Donna, can you just you want, can you give us a, like a two second insight into this trust issue? It was very different than a lot of other books. I'll do it in one and a half seconds because the other <laughs> half a second, I have to say that there is a free app called Smart Spark for any parent to learn how both the way their brain processes information and what their thinking talents are and the way their child does. And it's for free and it's full of resources. Smart, spark, one word. Trust, it's a much more useful question to me, I have learned in dealing with many, many people, to ask the question of what is it that I need so that I can trust myself 
with this person. Because I have agency when I ask the question that way. Whereas when I say, what is it I can, that I need you to do so I can trust you, I've already broken the bridge to being able to reconcile with you because you have to change. And I'm enmeshed, enmeshed in your change for me to feel um, safe enough with you. Mm. So it's my responsibility to learn to trust myself with you, if that means that in order to trust myself with you, I have to say no or walk out of the door or move beyond, uh, you know, arm's reach or take a deep breath um, or go to the other side of the world, then that's my responsibility. That's not your responsibility. Mm. Angie, last word. <laughs> well, you know, that was a I very AVK just... thing to say, I think. <laughs> oh, last word. <laughs> I think, you know, when people asked Donna and I, you know, writing two books together, working for 20 years together, you know, how do you, you do it? There are so many tools in this book, but there is one really simple, simple tool that I learned from Donna that I feel like is the key in how we relate to one another. And it is so fundamental in trust. And that's, I can learn from this experience. Even in our most difficult moments, and as you know, in a creative process, whatever you're doing, it, whether it's a joyful experience or a challenging experience, if I know that she's going to learn something and I'm going to learn something from it, we can get through it. And I didn't know that when I was 20. I didn't know it when I was 30. But I certainly, now that I'm in my late 40s, am really... That is the, the piece that allows me to trust her and trust myself the most is knowing that I can learn. And I guess that's kind of the last word is, um, yeah, we, we relate to one another. And I mean, we as in all of humanity when we know we can learn with one another. Fantastic way to bring this to a close. Thank you both very much. Our guests today were Donna Markova and Angie MacArthur, whose new book, Reconcilable Differences Connecting in a Disconnected World, is uh, reviewed in the September-October issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. You can learn more about their work from their website, ptpinc.org, and you can get this app, I'm assuming, on at the iTunes store or wherever, you know, the app store, smart spark, one word, to figure out, uh, you know, how to use this material in your own life with your own kids and grandchildren, nephews and nieces. So thank you both very much for being with us on Essential Conversations. It was my delight. Thank you so much. Our pleasure. Thank you. Support for Essential Conversations is brought to you by Tarcher Peregrine, publisher of Life Lessons, the new book of affirmations by Julia Cameron, the best-selling author of The Artist's Way. You can buy Life Lessons wherever books are sold. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of Spirituality and Health magazine. Please log in to spiritualityhealth.com to subscribe to the magazine in print or digital formats and download the iTunes app for this podcast. Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker and our program coordinator and executive producer is Alma Tassi. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. 
On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.